Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, everybody. Today, I am honored to welcome our great guest. He's been a friend for quite some time now, and we welcome him to our podcast. This is not only Brandon Kelly, but the Brandon Kelly. He's had some amazing experiences in his life. I'm just looking over his bio. It would take 22 minutes to read his bio. That's how much he has accomplished. It's amazing. I mean, he trained for the Olympics. We're going to learn a little bit about that. We're also going to learn about dump trucks and how they are a factor in his life. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk a little bit about that. But he's also a great scouter. And our scouting is big in our family. I'm an Eagle Scout, and as well as my brothers and all of my nephews. So. Your three sons. And my my three sons, I guess we can count them too. So some of the things that you uh, have talked about in in your bio and in your book, you do have a book. Yes, two books, two amazing books. Well, let's hear it. What are they, Becky? One is Elevate Your Efforts to Greatness. And his other book is The Distinctive Watermark Principles. It's how to elevate your efforts to greatness and stand out in all you do. Okay, well, let's just jump right into it. So we welcome you, Brandon Kelly. Well, thanks, Scott and Becky. In fact, I'm honored to be here. As I look at all the great work you have done around the state, the country, and the world, I am honored and I'm excited to be here. And uh, hopefully I I can bring a lot of fun to this podcast. But a lot of people ask me, Brandon, how did it start? Tell us a little bit about your life story. And and mine, as you look in the rearview mirror of life, mine really started at 22 months of age when a drunk driver ran a red light And when I came to, I was clinically paralyzed. I was never supposed to walk or talk again. Uh, Had broken nearly every bone in my body. Had 295 stitches just to put my face back on. And that was just the start of it. The doctor said that they should pull the plug, that I I would never amount to anything. Uh, For whatever reason, my parents decided to continue moving forward. We were fortunate that uh, one of my uncles became a doctor and learned about spinal technology back then. And he was able to go in and figure out what happened and how to fix that. And obviously today I walk. But in in junior high and even in elementary school, I was walking around with the braces, kind of like Forrest Gump. Uh, You see him swinging his legs around and being chased by everybody and picked on by everybody. In a real way, that was very much branded. And, And so as I started growing up, you know, I was developmentally delayed. Again, you know, everybody said, you're the redhead, you're the Ronald McDonald, the hamburger face. And, and that kind of stuck to me and it made it hurt for a while. But eventually it got so bad that I, I really got picked on and, and got into a game, believe it or not. And that choice, uh, I was fortunate that I had a school teacher and that I had a scoutmaster decide that it was time to, to get that little acorn and plant them in better soil. And so instead of being the hard redheaded shell that I was, they helped me find a better way. How old were you when you entered a gang? I was 10 years old. So I I thought that it would be better off to have people protecting me and, you know, have that entire group of people behind me. And and oddly enough, I know I'm Caucasian, white, however you want to see it. And I was in a black gang. Uh, There was 24 other people in it. And, you know, I was fortunate that I didn't make all the choices that they did. 
recently we did a double check on life and of all of those people, only two of them are still alive and I got away without ever having done anything stupid. Uh, you know, no you're criminal the, activity or anything. You're like the that. only one that hadn't gone to jail. Pretty much. And I, wow. I too, was an Eagle Scout, uh, earned all but one merit badge, so I've, I've had my fun in scouting. All but well. one merit badge? You have all the merit badges? I do. Wow. And what is that one? Agriculture, farm business. Well, I have to go back and double check. I actually finished it, but I didn't turn it in, and that's a whole other story. Wow. But that's... And so what happened, though, is we, there again, look back in that rearview mirror of life, or life's lanterns, as I like to call them, those little shining moments. Uh, I was in the fifth and sixth grade, and I was the smallest person in the entire class. And my coach came to me, and he was about six foot six, gangly, pencily, great big afro. Hopefully, your listeners can kind of get a good visual of that. And he looked at it and said, Brandon, I, I really believe that you are going to represent us in the high jump. And there were kids in my class that were 6 and 8 and 12 inches taller than I was. And I told the coach he had the wrong person. Well, imagine going to a tiny gym and they set up the whole high jump by using a fence post set on two folding chairs. And then behind those folding chairs were one small twin mattress with springs coming out of it. So they set that starting height at a foot and a half and I couldn't clear it because I was afraid of the bar. I was afraid of what would happen. I was afraid of what others would think if I knocked that bar over. I didn't know how to jump. I was uncoordinated. And I thought for sure that I was going to be a failure. I tried a couple of times. And in fact, I lived up to my failure. And I did. The coach came over to me. And, and he coached all of us. And, and really kind of scolded us. And said that the friend can be made from a bar by looking at it and telling it that we're going to get over it and do better than what we've done in the past. So I started to learn how to high jump, and after several weeks, I was clearing a whopping three feet. And as we came to the end of sixth grade, we had a statewide competition, and guess where the bar started at for that competition? Four feet. A full 12 inches taller than I'd ever cleared before, more than three quarters of my personal height, and I knew that I wasn't going to do it. But I'd found out one thing, and that was I didn't like pain. so he crashed and you know i saw other people crashing into the bar and finally my turn came and it felt like i had pterodactyls in my stomach and i just was like oh my gosh what am i going to do and without knowing without making a plan i ran straight at it and that very first time i actually cleared four feet i cleared it by about six inches so i increased by 16 inches without even knowing that I could, simply by telling myself that I was going to go after it. And so that's one of the great things and, that and some leaders can do. fear of pain. And fear of pain. And, and that fear of pain was interesting because I had another kid from my school that was six foot tall, 180 pounds in the sixth grade. I mean, he's full grown at that point, it seemed. And he would crash into the bar the first time and then the second time. And I would go stretch my little arm up on his shoulder like this. And I'd, I'd say, Shermaine, you can do this. All we need to do is jump a little higher, just like the coach taught us. We just need to jump that little inch or two higher and look at that bar and tell them it's a friend and not an enemy. We're going to get along together today. And that that practice went through, and they set aside 30 minutes for a high jump competition. And because the two of us decided that we were going to give it our all that day, it went on more than two hours. And by the end of that time frame, they were chanting our names, mainly, I think, because they were keeping them out of school and uh, (laughs) not so much that we were close to our record. But it came down to the end where it was just the two of us. And we hadn't really been paying attention to the height we were at. Any guesses as to where we were at at that time? I always ask my audiences that because 
you, you think, you know, we start out at four feet in two hours, maybe five feet, five and a half feet. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can't uh, even imagine. I, I, I mean, you're, you're a junior high kid. I wasn't even junior high. You were elementary. You're elementary. I was elementary. So you're, it's, it couldn't be too tall, maybe four or 11. We were at six feet, four inches. Wow. We were uh, half an inch away from the state record. And my coach came out to us and said, you guys realize that you have an opportunity to go home with a record right now or go home with first place. Which one is it going to be? And that has always stuck with me, Scott and Becky, is, is to, am I going to come here for a record? Am I going to come here for first place? Or am I going to be here just to participate? And I started to learn that experience. My, my friend, Shermaine, he crashed for the third and final time. And so I'd already cleared the six foot four mark. And I, I had first place. I didn't have to try any harder. I didn't have to do anything else. I had first place. And the coach came trotting back out on the field to and, me. And just a sec here. We're at 6'4", and you are how tall? I was 5'2", 5'2 five, two, five, two and a half, five, three. And how oh, tall is Shermaine? Shermaine is 6'1". Six foot, six foot wow. And so I think I might have been like 80, 90 pounds at the time, too. <laughs> so <it> was, <laughs> I was definitely half his size and half his stature. could barely feel his shadow. And, and so my friend Shermaine is, is very stricken with grief that he didn't go any further, but he had you know, he'd done extremely well. And my coach came to me and said, Brandon, you know, you still have to run other races, so what's it going to be? And so imagine, you know, you're, you're bent over, you have no more gas in the tank, you don't know where you're going to go or what you're going to do. And I was holding my shorts and just going, there's no way. I have nothing left in me. And all of a sudden, the buzzer went off. And so if I didn't start to run or tell the judges a different height, the entire match was over. And so from somewhere deep inside, and I'm still to this day trying to figure out how it happened, I yelled out, six foot five. And then I thought to myself, what did I just do? I can't barely clear this. That's, a, that's 16, 18 inches taller than I am. This is ridiculous. It's as high as your door jams. And, and so they raised it to six foot five. And I thought back and I was like, you know, my, co- my coach told me, how do we face our challenges? And so that was the first thing we had to do is face up to them. The next thing we had to do in our mind is figure out the paces that it was going to take to climb that mountain, trace the path to success, commit to the race, and if we did that, we would become the ace. And that was what he'd always taught. So in my mind, I counted out how many paces it was. I stepped back a couple, and I went at that faster than lightning and cleared two inches above six foot five. By the end of the day, we set the record at six feet, seven and a half inches from a little five foot two kid, and high jump became my new out in life. That is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, I'm just sitting here baffled. There's so many takeaways to this story. My mind's boggled. It, it really was interesting because I had walked around for years in a body cast. And if you go to my website, there's a picture of me in a body cast with my whole leg. And because of that, one leg is a little bit longer and a little bit stronger than the other. And that's where I found that I had a, a hidden superpower. And so that's one of the things that when we think about how do we get out and go in the morning when life is rough and I've been through the depression... Uh, when I was 16, I was setting state records in another state and thought I was going to do great. And all of a sudden, I had uh, a loss of energy. I felt like I always had a pebble in my shoe and I couldn't walk. Well, we went in and we found out that I had a golf ball sliced tumor in my feet. And the more digging we did, I actually had tumors up and down my legs. And the doctor said, you have six months to live. And at that point, I looked at it and I was like, you know what? I'm only 16. Um, I'm going to just, it's not worth living. And, and I literally thought for days and days about ending life. And, and that's, I know, very uh, hard to admit to. But for those that are facing that, talk to somebody. It's certainly worth the time and your effort. And you're worth that amount to, uh, of time to truly you know, be involved in it. 
and I had this, uh, I, I was fortunate that I had another mentor and he said, Brandon, are you going to go out that way? Or are you going to, you going to tell the doctors it goes out on your, your schedule, not theirs. And I thought about that and it was true. And so I set 3,500 goals, um, anywhere from jumping out of planes, meeting Kings and Queens, driving fast cars, kissing a girl, all of that crazy fun stuff that teenagers <laughs> want to do. And I set out to do it. And, and so I was able to be fortunate and I kicked cancer uh, and then got ready to compete in the Olympics. And two weeks before the Olympic trials, I was hit by a runaway dump truck that uh, made me have to learn to walk, to walk and talk a second time. Wow. And how old were you at this point? So at 16, I was diagnosed with cancer. And then 21 is when I got hit by the dump truck. Uh. So just out of high school, getting ready to go to college, had a family. And that's where I was in life. And so I had to recommit to the, the ACE principles that we just talked about, uh, always championing excellence, seeing the best in everything, and, and doing my best, and that's what I did. Wow. So again, dump trucks aren't your friend. I was 0 for 2, so I, hit a, I had one dump truck that I got hit by when I was 17 in high school, and uh, that one did a lot of damage. The second one was uh, in, in college. And that one completely changed my life. I went from having a 70, or pardon me, a 64 inch vertical leap. And I was two inches away from an Olympic record uh, Mm -hmm. when I got hit by the dump truck to barely being able to walk and and jump at at that point in life. And so I've had to go completely back and I'm nowhere near what I was at that time. I, I don't want to go away from that very far, but I want to go back to one little point that I was in going through my mind. I can just picture your coach sitting on the side as you're running towards the bar, and he's yelling, Brandon, leap off of the long leg. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what he said that. All I remember is that, you know, when I cleared the bar and looked at it, you know, it had wobbled just a little bit, but I was able to clear it that final time. And I stood there and, and was just having my arms up and down and imagining that I was winning. And, you know, I was actually hearing the audience or the, the entire uh, participants yelling and chanting my name, and, and that was the first time that had ever happened because I was always the redhead that was picked on, you know, the challenge right. one. I was always the last person cho- chosen for any event, and and so that was the first time that that had happened. And so if, if you're facing that, those of us that are listening right now, if you're facing those challenge, my hope would be that you can truly get in and see the greatness that lies within each of us. And that's kind of where we di- dissect that in the book in finding your distinctive watermark because each of us can leave a watermark on the world in a great way if we just truly believe that we're, we're made of something better and that we've got something to give no matter who it is or how we can help. These are remarkable stories. And the, and the thing that um, I want to go back to a little bit, just to just recap, is you must have been from Chicago or New York or something along those lines. I mean, kids don't join gangs anywhere else, um, right? I would say that's not true. I was in a little town of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, it had a... a very strong sense of military presence there, and, and I was one of the few white kids in a, a very black and Hispanic town at the time, and so I was there, and then my, my dad got transferred to Denver, Colorado, and there as well we were in that gang, and so it took about a year to get out of that uh, at that young age, and I, like I said, I'm very fortunate that I didn't choose that way of life. Did your parents uh, pick up on the fact that you were running with some rougher kids? What, what was their thought process. Did they, did they get after you a little bit? We're not going to go down that story because we don't have that much time. So okay. Okay. <laughs> but the reality was, is I did a lot of things to keep myself out of the house because it wasn't a fun situation in my house growing up. Okay. And, yeah. and so I don't know that they caught on to it. I, I know that I was the redhead. I was always ornery. 
Um, I always had a chip on my shoulder and it wasn't until uh, the scouting side of things came through that helped me realize that I could channel that energy into a better source of good. So you had two people that were remarkable in your life. One was a coach and one was a scoutmaster. Yes. So uh, coach Wayne Hammett was the Pensley figure that we talked about. Uh, the other figure was, was an old style grandpa and his name was Henry Turner. And he was the one that pulled me aside and said, you know, I, I have a gang too that I want you to come and join. And instead of wearing red and black, we wear tan and green. Uh, instead of shooting at people, we shoot at targets. And instead of causing problems, we go create solutions and we go camping uh, instead of, you know, hanging out all night. And that really transitioned my life. And, and so even though everybody else told him that I wasn't worth wasting my time on or his time on, uh, I became that scout that he kind of put my arm around me and, and helped me figure out life, uh, set goals. And, and because of that, I became a state officer for the Order of the Arrow, which is the Honor Society of Scouting, and then went on to serve nationally and internationally uh, trying to help find those lost youth like me, and that's where I've dedicated my life in serving youth and, and recognizing that people need to have time and, and change, that there's always a way to do better. You had great mentors helping you, and you have spent a lifetime giving back and being mentors to, to others. I, I have. Um, I've always, I've, my, my wife and my family say we've dedicated a lot of our time and effort to scouting. And it's because I've always wanted to find that person that was lost like me and, and give back to them and help them out. Let, let me ask you this. What's been, what's been your relationship since then with uh, Coach Gangley and, uh, and, and Mr. <laughs> Green and Tan? Um, so, so Coach Gangley, or Coach Wayne, as, as we would call him, Coach Hammett, he is retired and still lives in Cheyenne. Um, we reached out to him when we went to publish the book and got his permission to publish the story. And then uh, the, the scoutmaster, he actually had transferred around the country. When I got my Eagle Scout, he flew in for that. Wow. And then later retired here in the area and, and uh, worked at scout camps until he died of a heart attack about 10 years ago. Um, and so I tried to take their generosity and their experience and pass that on to others. I want to ask you about those 3,500 goals. That mm -hmm. you had written down. How many have you checked off that bucket list? I completed that list with the exception of owning a helicopter and owning a Ferrari, but I've driven and flown in them. Does that count? It's pretty That's... close. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, the, the list was travel to you know Europe, travel to different places. Um, I grew up very, very, very poor uh, to the point where you know I didn't know that you could put cardboard in your shoes if you had holes in them. Uh, I found that out from other people and wish that I would have been that smart. And, and so I've always had a desire to travel, uh, to accomplish a lot of things. I've, I've been very fortunate that I, and that's one thing that I want to talk about too. And, and I actually had a scout leader that was very negative towards me, told me that I would still never amount to anything, that I was worthless, that I came from the wrong side of the tracks. I wasn't worth the time investing any of that uh, side of things. And so I'm sure a lot of our listeners are having some of those distresses and problems. And as I looked at that, at first I was mad. Then I was angry, and then I sat down and looked at the mirror and I said, you know what, by golly, I'm worth it, and I'm going to prove to them that they're wrong. And, and, and so a lot of the drive that I have as I look in, there again, Life's Lantern in the rearview mirror, I found that there were those people that were telling me that I was never going to do anything, and so I wanted to prove to them that I could. And, and now, you know, I don't, I don't talk about those very often, but that was a very driving force about achieving all the different goals in the timeline and then being di diagnosed with cancer a second time when I was 22, 
I wanted to make sure that I had those done, and, and that's kind of what led to the book, that my, my kids would have an opportunity to hear some of the things that I had done in case I didn't make it. One, one of the things I just wanted to bring up real quick is the fact that you were in scouting, you were in sports, and, and, and we've kind of alluded to the fact that if kids will get out of gangs and become athletes or scouts, that everything will be wonderful. And you just explained that uh, one of the scout leaders wasn't as, as opportunistic, and, and another one was amazing. And the same holds true with coaches. I, I coached wrestling for 17 years, and, and I hope I mentored a few uh, kids along the way. But, you know, there, there's, there's maybe somebody out there that's like, yeah, I had a guy that just didn't come through for me. Um, how do we come through as coaches and leaders? Well, coaches, leaders, and teachers, we all have a responsibility to help others out. And, and so sometimes we'll click and sometimes we won't. Uh, if we're going through and we're that person that's being picked on or feel that it's not going to happen, seek out another mentor, but remember to look in the mirror and say at the end of the day that you're worth it and, and keep trying. You know, for years, Michael Jordan didn't make any of the school teams in basketball and now is one of the greatest. And he had somebody that was a negative driver that helped him channel that energy. Uh, so the same would be true. And then if we are that coach or that trainer or that teacher, we have a, a massive responsibility upon our shoulders that we need to pass on and, and truly bring our A-game to everything we do because we never know when we're going to make that positive effect for somebody else. And just in closing, tell the audience how they can learn more about you and get you to come and speak at one of their events. Well, for your uh, audience only, I'm going to give them a discount. So if they'll go to my website, which is thebrandonkelly.com, so, uh, there's a code in there. And if you will put uh, SB2016, that will give you a 10% discount off of everything there at the store. And thanks again for having us on the show. You guys do a phenomenal work around the world. And it's been an honor and pleasure to uh, be here with you today. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate it. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us. And please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.